Your Stories is proudly supported by Simplecast. Simplecast makes podcasting easy, affordable, and downright friendly. Use the promo code CHICAGO to get 50% off your first three months. Find out more at Simplecast.com. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hey, everybody. I'm Eric Garneau, and this is the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast. Today, we've got the first part of our annual team-up with International Tom Hanks Day, featuring Tom Hanks Day founder Kevin Turk, plus performers Kevin Reeder, Liz Larimore, and Mike Gifford. We've also got music from myself, Dwight Hassler, and special guest Sasha Rorit, who'll be joining us for some shows over the next few months, which we are very excited about. I wanted to give a special thanks to our venue host for the evening, the American Writers Museum at 180 North Michigan. This is a really incredible new Chicago institution that's full of interactive, immersive learning opportunities for the literary fans in all of us. To learn more about them, you can go to AmericanWritersMuseum.org or just drop in during open hours. I'm sure they'd love to see you. Now, for you Tom Hanks fans out there, Kevin mentions it in this episode, but the actual Tom Hanks Day celebrations take place this Saturday, April 7th, from noon to 5 p.m. at the Chop Shop, 2033 West North Avenue. For more information on the event, you can visit Tom Hanks Day on Facebook. And remember, if you happen to leave Tom Hanks Day early, or you're just hanging out at one of the biggest comic conventions in the country, your stories will be recording a show on the Cards Against Humanity stage at C2E2 at 3.30pm this Saturday. We'll have special industry guests and other really great talented folks on stage with us, and we would love to see you. More information on that is on C2E2's schedule. And with no further ado, here is the show. So we are playing songs by artists who were kicked out of bands that they were in and went on to find success later. Um, starting with, this is, this is some real fun trivia. So Courtney Love, before forming Hole and uh, maybe doing questionable things with Kurt Cobain, uh, was the lead singer of Faith No More for a couple months, and then they told her, no, this isn't working. Which, if you've heard Faith No More, you understand why. But uh, this is what she did after, after that. 
So, oh, real quick, I should introduce the band. This is Dwight. He's usually here with me. I've been singing with Dwight for like 10 years. And uh, yeah, and this is, this is Sasha. And she's filling in for a couple shows with us. Sasha's real good. And she was uh, a big, big wig in high school acapella. Is oh that right? God. Yeah, Sasha's, not, not Sasha's acapella albums are on Spotify. Let's so. not look. <laughs> she, you can go to YouTube and type her name in and you'll find her. <laughs> oh, so. You're a horrible friend. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think I'm, does anyone have a login? <laughs> so, uh, anyway, this song is called Celebrity Skin. One, two, three, four. Oh, make me over. I'm all I want to be. everybody I heard that you could look her up on YouTube but I don't know someone coughed that somewhere so kind of the most famous like getting thrown out of a band scenario uh, it was not an American author so I feel a little bad about that given where we are but uh, that's okay so this guy was in Black Sabbath and then they were like hey man you don't really add anything musically to this group we don't need you and then he went on and had a really successful solo career and um, we, we're not really equipped to play Ozzy the way that Ozzy is meant to be played. So we're going to get this little like country folky shuffle. We're taking Ozzy to the tractor pull is what we're doing. <laughs> so uh, this, is, uh, this is Bark at the Moon, countrified. One, two, three, four. 
Marcus Polo here. Oh well. See. No, wrong way. That's alright. So good. I didn't want too many. Hey! <laughs> All right. Ozzy Osbourne. So, you're not just here to listen to us, although we certainly appreciate that you do. We have eight wonderful storytellers and performers here tonight to reflect on the theme of Castaway. And starting that off is going to be one of the founders of Tom Hanks Day. We're so stoked to have them here for our third year in a row. Please welcome to the stage, Kevin Turk! This is where I get to be uncreative and unamazing compared to everybody else that's in this fun room. Um, no, so I'm, I'm Kevin Turk. I helped found Tom Hanks Day, which, how many people have heard of Tom Hanks Day? Yeah! Hey. Cool. So Tom Hanks Day started as a complete joke, um, and now it is a real thing, and we actually make money for charity, which is awesome. Uh, we work with an organization called Lifeline Energy, and Lifeline Energy um, works with different communities around the world to help get content and information to them using these life players, which I'm going to set a life player back there. You guys can play around with it. It's fun. It's got crank power, solar power, has MP3 capabilities. It's really, really amazing. And they partner up with different content creators from people that are going to talk about um, the, the importance of prenatal care to education to farming. And then they use these radios to get them around and I, Kellen and I got lucky enough, I think I told this last year, we got lucky enough to go to Zambia with the CEO of Lifeline Energy, um, which was awesome. She took us around and we started seeing how powerful these, what I would say, they're kind of clunky looking radios. And you're like, as you're standing around here, you're thinking to yourself, why don't we just give them iPads? Why don't we give them cell phones? And, and when you actually get there and see it, you go, oh yeah, there's no power. There's no batteries. There's like... If somebody sees an iPad, they're like, I'm going to steal that. You know? like, so things like this, and this radio becomes this amazing conduit to get information out there. So what Lifeline does is fantastic. What we do is a joke to help somebody that's doing fantastic things. Um, and so, again, with the Castaway theme, uh, you know, there's uh, lots of memes out there, and I hope I don't steal anybody else's creative thunder, but there's a lot of memes out there about Tom Hanks, and you just don't want to travel with him kind of thing. Like, he's been on Castaway, he's been, you know, like, he, he's been abducted by pirates, um, I'm sure there's tons of other, like, goofy things that you're like, oh my god, why would I ever get, 
But I don't actually think he's the worst person ever to travel with because I traveled with Christine Pearson, who's the CEO of Lifeline Energy, and she made my life a living hell for two weeks in Zambia. To the point where we had just flown 24 hours to, probably more, 28 hours, to land in Zambia. She says, I don't know if I'll be there to get you guys at the airport. I'll do my best, whatever it is. Kellen and I get off this airplane, and as we are walking, we see a guy holding a sign that just says Turk, which is my last name, and, and two. So we're like, cool, that's our guy. He's going to take us to where we need to go. Kellen walks out there, and I go to the bank to make sure we have enough money to pay him. And Kellen comes back to me, and he goes, this guy has no idea where we're going. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? We don't know where we're going. Like, we just landed in this other country and we have zero idea of where we're supposed to go and what we're supposed to do and so we finally just go all right i'm like kellen let's just relax we'll get out there we'll talk to him we'll see what happens we roll out there and everybody is staring at us i mean one we stick out we are just different than most people and for whatever reason so everybody's looking at security guards other passengers, all these things, and I'm like starting to get a little nervous, and I got a little itch going on, and I'm like sweating a little bit, and he's like, I don't know where to take you. I was like, well, where do you think we need to go? He's like, I no idea. So after about a 15-minute conversation of us kind of trying to figure out where we're going, what we're doing, I hear a bazula, you know, that, that, that's, that annoying horn that was... And I'm like, what is going on? Now again, mind you, I've never met Christine in person. Don't know what she really looks like. I've seen pictures, but I really have never met her in person. And I look over at this person blowing this horn that's standing behind me, and I'm like, that is so annoying. What the hell is going on? And she keeps going, and she keeps going, and she keeps going. And finally, she walks up to us, and she goes, I'm Christine Pearson. What do you guys want to go? And we're like, that is the meanest thing anybody's ever done to me after traveling 28 hours. Thank you. Um, Leading on top of that, she then just proceeded to... So she'd be like, here, guys, pose for this picture in front of the zebra. We would sit down in front of the zebra to pose for a picture, little to know that she is actually positioning her camera to make it look like we are kissing the butt of the zebra. (laughs) And I'm like, Christine, you're killing me. So when she finally came to Chicago, we have a little thing here in Chicago called Malort. Everybody. So I said, you know what, Christine, she came for Tom Hanks Day last year. Sadly, won't make it this year. But I was like, you know what, forget it. Like, you have to do a shot of Malort with me. I have it on video. I'd love to show you guys. But it is a video of her taking this shot of Malort. She kicks it back, and then she proceeds to projectile it all over me. And I was like, this is worth it. This is so worth it. This is great. And now, uh, to me, Malort is actually known as rat piss, because that's what she called it. So, uh, so yeah, Tom Hanks Day is April 7th. For anybody that uh, hears this prior to this, uh, yes, so the podcast will go out before. So hopefully April 7th, come hang out with us at uh, the Chop Shop this year. It'll be a new venue for us. Really excited about it. And super thankful to the American Writers Museum for letting us host this here. Like, this is just a good, fun fit. Um, that's definitely been probably my favorite thing about Tom Hanks Day is the fact that there's it brings people together. Like, that's how we know the nerds. Which, I never asked you if it's okay just to refer to you guys as the nerds. That works? Okay. I just got tired of typing nerdalogs because I'm not a great speller. 
<laughs> so, so yeah, so it's, it's been amazing to find different partnerships and friends and all that kind of stuff. So please come out, join us. It's, uh, it's at noon to five. Great donations. I actually have raffle tickets that I'm going to hand out to everybody, too. I have a, uh, a little DVD signed by Tom for somebody to win here. So make it worth your while for coming out. So I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Kevin Turk. Uh, Dwight and I were doing a show. Uh, it was a private show for an old customer of ours last year, and he bought us shots in the middle of our show. And, you know, you're in the middle of a song. You're like, yeah, why not drink this? I'm sure it's fine. It was the first time I ever had Malort. Uh, I felt a little betrayed. And uh, we got paid okay, though, so I guess that makes up for it. You know, I honestly feel like it's not the worst thing in the world. Like, I think, like, 10% of the hate is performative, and 90% is that it really does taste that bad. Anyway, so this show that you're seeing now was born out of a sketch comedy group that started eight years ago. We just celebrated our eighth anniversary as a group. Uh, the person you're about to see on the stage is the founder and big daddy of the Nerdalogs, or nerds as we like to call them. Uh, it's rare that he does a story on this show, but this is a special occasion. We wanted to put our best foot forward for you all. So please welcome up here Mr. Kevin Reeder. Yes. 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 Welcome to my hall. <laughs> We're in the Reader Hall. It's just really goofy to me. Alright, so here's some stuff that I wrote that I'll read <laughs> to you. Okay, bits over. Great. So the summer between high school and college is weird. You're excited to go away to school, sad to leave your friends behind, waiting for something to happen, incapable of making anything happen. Stasis. I was lucky enough to land a summer job that kept me occupied during the days. Fifteen miles from my childhood home, there's a horse breeding farm. A massive one. Hundreds of horses. Some real prize winners, too. My friend's dad managed it, and he needed a grounds crew for the summer. A few high school kids to do odds and ends around the farm. So most of my days were spent with a weed whacker, slowly buzzing through dry grass that had been yellowed by the warm Midwestern sun. You'd put your protective glasses and noise-canceling earmuffs on, rev up the weed whacker, and try not to cut through a pile of horse shit. Try being the operative word. You'd always whack through horse shit. In your face, on your clothes, no matter what you do, you're going to get horse shit on you if you work at a horse farm. <laughs> the summer between high school and college is weird. In the morning, we'd take a break during the days and head to the local gas station to buy snacks. Every once in a while, I'd splurge and buy milk and an Entenmann's strawberry pie. Every afternoon, we'd go to my friend's house and we'd have lunch together with her dad. We'd watch One Life to Live while he cursed at the characters and the crazy situations they'd get themselves into. <laughs> then we'd fall asleep for a quick 15-minute nap, wake up, and head back to work. The days felt short and long all at once. I couldn't wait for the summer to be over, but I didn't want it to end. The exciting days were the ones when we would do something different on the farm, when all the mowing was done. It's weird that you'd look forward to cleaning out gutters. Anything to not have to step in horse shit. In a lot of ways, it was a magical time. No real responsibility yet. Living off the fat of the land, hanging out with your friends, basketball in the driveways, the short-lived summer love, the occasional punk rock show in the suburbs, a couple of weekend trips with your friends. The summer between high school and college is weird. True perspective comes when you realize that your whole summer paycheck was worth less than a bucket of horse cum. 
I made about 10... It's true. It's so true. It's so true. Um, It's remarkably true. Uh, I made about $10 an hour, and one of the horse studs fees could easily reach $5,000. The summer between high school and college is weird. There was one particularly hot and sunny day. I was thrashing through weeds with my orange plastic strings moving at sonic speeds when I saw something shining in the distance. Now, we'd find trash out on the roads, the occasional trucker bomb, but nothing interesting. But I noticed it because, well, it wasn't grass or horse shit. So there it was, a shining pearl in the yellow grass. There it lay, discarded, cast away, just cast away in the middle of nowhere. It felt like Tom Hanks finding a package on the beach, dumbfounded. I just looked at it and squinted. Not a soul in sight. Just me, the road, a weed whacker, and a copy of Castaway. The summer between high school and college is weird. Thanks, John. Kevin Reeder, everybody. Thank you so much. Uh, I hope you all take that lesson about horse uh, semen to heart. That's really fun fact. I'm sure it'll be great at your next bar trivia night. Coming next up here, so as I've said many times, this is our third partnership with International Tom Hanks Day. This woman has been at all three. She's a great part of the Chicago theater and improv scene. Also a fantastic storyteller. So happy to have her back. Please welcome Liz Laramore. Castaway is the story of a man who defies all sorts of odds and spends four years alone on a deserted tropical island. It's about resilience and survival. It's about persistence in the human spirit. It's about friendship in the unlikely form of regulation-sized sports equipment. (laughs) And the great majority of that movie is not very interesting. Being alone on an island for four years and living to tell about it is interesting because it's not a thing people do. I don't deny Chuck Nolan that accomplishment, but I mean, the things we didn't see make up most of his time there, most of his memories of that place. He was alone on an island for four years. There's only so many cool things that can happen there. Inevitably, he had some really fucking boring stories to tell at brunch with friends after he got back to civilization. (laughs) People would probably be like, wow, Desert Island, what was that like? And he'd be like, well, one day I was sitting on the sand looking at the water, and a crab walked by, and I looked at it, and then I looked back at the water. (laughs) Or he'd say... Well, one day I was walking around holding this volleyball I found, and then later that night I went to sleep. Or probably... (laughs) Or probably the one that got the most mileage was, I cried a bunch. (laughs) Let's face it, that is what the vast majority of his time was spent doing, walking around and looking at things, and sitting and staring and sleeping. These stories are objectively boring. Inarguably, they stink. But string enough of them together and they make up a story and a movie we've all come to enjoy. When I was little, I would make my grandmother tell me the following story over and over again. 
My Aunt Helen, about six years old at the time, begged my grandmother to pack her an egg salad sandwich for lunch one day to bring to school. On the way there, Helen started crying and refused to go inside because she was embarrassed about bringing an egg salad sandwich to school because of how bad it smelled. So my grandmother took her home and didn't make her go to school that day. That was the story. (laughs) (laughs) But now imagine it from my own five-year-old perspective. I couldn't really picture my aunt as a child, so I had this vivid image in my mind of the face of the adult woman I knew with a child's body. And all the pictures and movies I'd seen from that time weren't in color, so I imagined the entire world before I was born in black and white. (laughs) Essentially, it was like watching an episode of The Little Rascals as directed by David Lynch. (laughs) (laughs) Helen and the egg salad sandwich. I remember asking for the story by name, a throwaway anecdote, an unspectacular day in my aunt's childhood that she probably doesn't even remember. And yet it was fascinating and legendary enough to me that it had a name. It was a story I heard so many times at my own behest that I can't see egg salad and not think of it. And my poor aunt, an accomplished professional educator with over 50 years of successful life between herself and that day, I will also forever associate with egg salad. (laughs) That story is objectively boring. And arguably, it stinks. But in the context of my relationship with my aunt, it was interesting to me because it deviated from the person I knew, and for whatever reason, I liked it. Life is not full of exciting moments. Most of it is horribly unspectacular. It's uneventful. We think nothing interesting is happening to us because usually nothing is. How often does someone ask you what's new with you and you tell them, nothing? We're collectively scared of telling boring stories because we don't think they're worth hearing. But y'all, these little throwaway anecdotes, sometimes they're more than that. Given the right context and audience, they can take on a warped kind of personal importance, like that story my grandmother felt the need to tell me, or work toward building something inspirational in the case of Castaway. So tell them. Tell your damn dull stories. Speak openly about how you chose to take a lift over an Uber because of a dollar and 34 cent price difference. (laughs) Talk about your trip to the grocery store that went awry when you realized Whole Foods was out of organic roasted salted pistachios and you had to get the kind that were roasted but without salt and not organic. (laughs) They're not all good stories, but they're moments that make up your life and that's worth something. My point, y'all, is this. Egg salad sandwiches are great, objectively boring, and inarguably they stink. But for whatever reason, a lot of people still eat them in public. I, uh, I wrote a story I'm going to tell later, but Liz has me reevaluating. I think I'm going to talk about my very exciting journey of leaving the mic stand in my car. So get ready for that in, uh, in Act 2. But first, we have one more storyteller this half. I am so happy he's here. You are all in for a really big treat. This gentleman is one of the all-stars of this show. He's been featured on our year-end best-ofs 
as long as he's been telling stories, uh, including at the first Tom Hanks Day, he told probably one of the best pieces ever on this show. And now that I've set him up a lot, let's get him up here. Please put your hands together for Mike Gifford. Oh my God. They're going to be so disappointed after that. Uh, my, my, oh, God. Okay, before we get started, thank you. I love Tom Hanks Day. I think it's wonderful because it started off as something very stupid, right? Yeah, totally. And very stupid, and now it's a big thing, and, and I think that's amazing. I haven't smoked a cigarette in three days. So all I got to say, no, no, don't. Because it's the only thing I like in this world. I don't like anything else. I like smoke. I knew uh, a Jesuit priest who was friends with uh, C.S. Lewis, and evidently C.S. Lewis uh, 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 would say, I never trust anybody unless they smoke. And uh, C.S. Lewis died in his 60s of emphysema, but, but, I, but I think, I, I'll be honest, I didn't, I stopped smoking. I, I have a thing written, I just got to get this off my chest. <laughs> I, I haven't smoked because... I'm, I'm a homosexual, if you can tell, and, and I dated a lot of, like, loser gay men, you know, like, you know, like the sort of guys that, you know, you, you wish they hadn't come up with so many antibiotics, but look, the, so I go out with, like, a, like a low, low gay, like, there's high gay and low gay, and I am low gay. And so, you know, like Edward Albee without the success. So, so like for you lit guys, he was a creep from what I hear. I knew some guys who, my God, ooh, talk about a Cosby. Anyway, look, I digress. I digress. Allegedly. Allegedly. Sorry, Edward Albee. So, the, the thing is, oh, what a queer he was. Look, but the thing is, though, so I figure if I don't smoke, I can, uh, I can, I can maybe go out with a better quality homosexual. Okay. The Philadelphia, Forrest Gump, The Money Pit, Toy Story, all great films of different genres that are poignant then and now. But we're here talking about the film Castaway. Castaway is a fantastically boring film where we witness Tom Hanks shed all of his rich white man weight to play a gaunt FedEx systems engineer who befriends a volleyball named Wilson. So aside from the fact that the movie totally sucks, and it's lacking in all artistic merit. I reference Werner Herzog's Fitzgeraldo, but I digress. It is the ultimate 143-minute commercial for FedEx and Wilson Sporting Goods. Featuring Tom Hanks yelling, crying, and successfully portraying a vastly less racist Robinson Crusoe. Great! The cannibal known as Friday could be considered problematic, that is, unless you are a police officer. <laughs> the best part of Castaway is when Tom Hanks' character attempts suicide. 
The low point of the film is when the suicide fails. <laughs> we must give credit to the ultimate bit of product placement, dare I say, in the history of American cinema, when the bloody handprint faced volleyball named Wilson drifts away into the horizon of the ocean and where the audience sobbed over a volleyball as Tom Hanks cries out for Wilson, 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 reminding us what to purchase when we go to the store. And we still have to ask ourselves how we could elect Donald Trump to eye office. Well, you cried over a fucking volleyball. So conservative or liberal, you get what you deserve. But the fact, cast away as a bullshit commercial, reflects the vulgarity of all Americans today is not my point. Mine is Helen Hunt's reaction to when she sees Tom Hanks after all those years. And she realizes he's not dead, but merely cast away. <laughs> the reaction is overwhelming, exuberant joy that can only be channeled by true love. I find that moment especially poignant because no one has ever been excited to see me. <laughs> Even if we have never met before this moment, unless you are totally daft, you have surely come to understand why nobody has ever been excited to see me. But for you fools who don't know it, it's because I'm fucking weird. <laughs> but being excited to see one, that's asking a lot of somebody to love you that much that they can spontaneously channel excitement toward you. Especially if it ends in disappointment. Was it really excitement in the first place? Who knows? For me, love is like pissing your pants and not minding. <laughs> what a burden to lay upon a person. I mean, based on all evidence, one really has to be very stupid to fall in love. Sidebar, I fell in love with an alcoholic bartender prone to bouts of long depression and a penchant for the music of Tori Amos. Low gay. <laughs> Over the course of our six-month romance, he had only made me orgasm once, but from what my female friends tell me, that's normal. <laughs> I did things with him I'd never done or thought I'd do before. I pretended to like his chihuahua dogs. <laughs> I even pretended to like little Felix with his barking collar staring at me while sitting on his lap getting fucked. Yes. <laughs> Fucking dogs. Dogs and babies are what's wrong with America. <laughs> I actually told him that I agreed with him when he said Britney Spears' lyrics had depth. That's stupid. <laughs> and I sucked his cock in a lit alley next to SNA films for the great Charlie Chaplin shot movies. Nothing like gagging on a cock in the footsteps of greatness. <laughs> this affair ultimately ended when I asked him, what's wrong with you? And he responded... I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> Fucking kill me. <laughs>
Well, that's the closest I've ever come to somebody being excited to see me. End of sidebar. I too cried when Wilson floated away. Yeah, I did. I did that and I admit it because I'm garbage and a hypocrite. But I also vote for Democrats, so I guess that adds up. Happy Tom Hanks Day. I think they're amazing because they came from a stupid idea, and I thank you all very much. Have a lovely evening and enjoy intermission. Eric! When he was saying that stuff about how he thinks he'll date a better class of person if he stops smoking, I realized that I've dated a lot of women who have smoked. So, like, I reverse engineered that comment and realized that, it, I, like, I'm the low class for them. They're like, oh, I better. I scare them out of smoking is what I'm saying. I am good for the lungs of this country. Uh, I don't know what else to say about this guy except he was kicked out of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Fate worse than death, clearly. And then he went on to be the host of Rockstar in Excess, but before that also had a popular band of his own called Jane's Addiction. <laughs> Dave Navarro, three, four.
bit of Zep at the end there. Those songs are the same two chords. <laughs> This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today. And go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.